Hey, it's good to have you here this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Craig, and we're in the middle of a, of a series called Little Things Big Difference. And, um, oh, actually, I need, I need something down here. And um, we, we talked about how, how um, we come into a new year, and uh, usually people in a new year, it's like a clean slate, and they're like, man, I'm going to make these big changes in my life. And, and they join the gym, and it lasts about three weeks, and then they stop. And we have this crazy idea that somehow uh, we've got to wait to the start of a new year to make some changes in our lives, when the reality is we can make a change in our life at any time of the year, right? We can start that at any moment. But we, we so often fail at some of the changes that we need to make in our lives or in our marriage or in our finances or any area of our world because we try to do these big, massive changes but all the way through Scripture, and actually all the way through normal life, we understand this, that it's the little things that make the biggest difference. It's, it's not a big change comes from doing little changes consistently over a period of time, and then a big change happens. For example, everything that we see in creation, like trees and everything, start with a seed that is in the right environment for a long period of time with the right amount of water and the right amount of soil, and over a long period of time, that seed breaks down and it produces its potential of like a big cowrie tree or a big rimu tree, but it all started off small. And we see this all the way through Scripture, the power of the little. If you're faithful in the small things, God will give you much. You have the faith of a mustard seed and you command this mountain to be thrown into the sea, it'll be thrown into the sea. Uh, we see this, that the little foxes spoil the vine, right? A little bit of yeast gets through the whole dough. There's power in the small things. And so what we encourage you in the first week was to do this thing called My 15, which is five minutes of prayer, five minutes of His Word, and five minutes of worship every single day of your life, or every single day this year. And if you would do that, by the end of this year, there'd be a massive transformation that would take place in your life. And last week we talked about the importance of our thoughts because our thoughts are really, really important. And your life goes in the direction of your thoughts. Where you think is where you end up. The Bible says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so we go in the direction of our greatest thoughts. And so we produce this thing called a shout out. And it's just a prayer that you can pray every single day for this year about your thoughts and what you believe that God says about you. And, and some of you didn't get one of these the other week. You, there's still some um, at the info desk, and there's actually some A4 size ones, and there's six A3 size ones. And so you can grab them, put them in your house, put them on the back of your toilet, stick them in your kid's room, I don't know, wherever you want to, and just speak it over your life every single day and watch as you take this five minutes to say this prayer every day for this year, watch the big transformation that will take place in your life. Because the big results that everybody wants normally starts with the little decisions that people make. The small things always impact our lives in the biggest ways, right? And so today I want to talk to you about the power of your words. And I'm going to probably share some stuff today. You're going, oh, I've heard this so many times and yada yada. It's just you know, positive thinking. This is not positive thinking. Positive thinking or positive words is what the world teaches everybody. What God teaches us is to come into His presence with thanksgiving and praise. There's a difference between how we approach the throne room of God 
It's not just about saying positive things over your life. It's about making sure that the intention of your heart is towards a thankfulness, a gratitude towards God. And when we speak words, words matter. Words have an effect. Words have um, a price to them. In fact, you probably know this already, but Proverbs 18.21, can anyone tell me what this famous scripture says? You're going to see it on the screen, aren't you? You're cheating. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Isn't it crazy that this little thing can have so much power, right? Can have so much ability to control our lives. In fact, our words really, really matter. And what the Scripture is teaching us is that we can either speak life-giving words, words that give life and bring life, or we can speak life-taking words, and those are words that take away life. You know, to encourage someone is to put courage in, to discourage somebody is to take courage out. Our words can encourage and our words can discourage. They can be life-giving or they can be life-taking. Are you with me? And the reality is, if you want to change your life, you have to change the way that you speak. Some of you, the way that we speak about ourselves, let alone others, is terrible enough, right? And so we've got to, we've got to think about what we're saying and if you want to change the life you have, you need to change the words you speak. Why? Because little things in our words that we speak make a big difference in the life that we live. James puts it best this way in chapter 3, verse 3 to 5. He says this, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. I don't know about you. I, I, I like horse riding, but it scares me at the same time. Is anybody like that? The fact that, you know, these reins kind of control the whole thing and a far rather a steering wheel, it's a little bit easier, right? Then he goes on to say, and then a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Your tongue is incredibly powerful, and the words that you speak can either give life or take life. Our tongue has the power of life and death in it, and we can speak life-giving words or we can speak life-taking words. For example, if you show me a marriage that is struggling, I would almost guarantee you that you'll see a lot of life-taking words. It's gone quiet now. Life-taking words. If, if somebody feels unloved and uncared for, it's because there's probably a whole lot of life-taking words. Well, how do you know that? Because I've been pastoring for a fair while now, and that's usually the problem. Life-taking words. Or you show me a marriage that is doing really well, and I promise you, you'll see an abundance of life-giving words. Why? Because we've all experienced that person in our worlds that makes us feel small and insignificant, right? We've all been around that person. Don't elbow the person next to you. That's not cool. Um, but we've all been around that person that we don't like being around because they make us feel small. You know, or that boss that's just an absolute idiot, you know, I used to have a boss, and um, I'd go away on holiday, and when I'd come back from holiday, having three weeks off and come back from holiday, 
he would, the first thing that morning when I got back to work, he would call me into his office and he'd have a, a sheet of paper, a 4 size paper, where he'd written down all the things that he found that I'd done wrong in the last 12 months in the job. How many people know employees make mistakes? They're not perfect. Neither are bosses. And, and it would just be so life-taking. You come back from, from holiday and you're like, woo, work, yeah, I'm not that excited, but hey, it's going to be a great year. And the first thing you get is you did this wrong, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, all the way through. It's just, it just, you don't want to be around someone like that, somebody who just makes you feel small. And, and what you find when you're around somebody that makes you feel small or makes you feel insignificant or around a boss like that, what you find is there are a lot, there is an abundance of life-taking words. There's not an abundance of life-giving words. There's an abundance of life-taking words. Yet, on the other hand, there are those people that you love being around, right? You love hanging around them all the time because they make you feel good. They make you feel awesome because they are people that are constantly encouraging, constantly building you up. And when those people that you like to be around, you're going to see that there's plenty of life-giving words. And that's why you like to be around them. Proverbs 12, 18 puts it this way, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. I, I would suggest to you that every single one of us in this place at some stage in our lives have been pierced by life-taking words. I, I guarantee you, if I got you to close your eyes for a moment and think about somebody who just absolutely pierced you with their words, every single one of us could think of a situation or a moment, a teacher that said that you're dumb. Um, I had a pastor that told me I'd never accomplish anything in life. Um, you, 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 can, you can hear those words. You can see that some of you got it from your parents where they're just life-taking words. Nothing was really, they just pierced you like nothing else. But the Bible says this, that the tongue of the wise... The tongue of the wise brings healing. It's, it's life-giving. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Isn't it cool that, that you can be somebody that gives a right word at the right time, and that person goes, oh, oh, that is healing to me. That is healing to me. It's life-giving. So many people out there, I, I don't know what I can do for God. Just be somebody who gives life-giving words, and you'll see lives healed. You'll see lives transformed just by life-giving words. Proverbs 15.4 puts it this way, that the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I don't know many of you, but, but I, I'm pretty sure that, that we've all had those, uh, those spirit-crushing words said to us from time to time, yeah? Those life-taking words that just crush us at some point. And, and, and it can be as meaningless as this. Did, did you mean for your hair to look like that? You, know, you come back from the hairdressers. Did, did they cut it the way that you wanted it? Yeah? Oh. As Seth would say, interesting. It's my son. Did you mean your hair to look like that? Or, or it could be something as simple as, why aren't you married at this age of life? And it hurts, right? It's crushing. Or it could be even more intentional, like things like, I can't stand you. I found someone else. I never loved you anyway. You're pathetic. 
I wish I never had you. Life-taking, words piercing like a sword, crushing the spirit of the hearer. But on the other hand, many of you have been blessed with life-giving words. Man, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Uh, uh, you're the best of the best. I'm so glad I married you. And if I could, I'd do it all over again. There's not a thing I'd change about spending my life with you. You're my dream come true. You're my zing to my zang. You complete me. I'm so thankful that God put you in my life. And, and you know, that stuff that just builds you up, right? It makes you feel, I, I can remember once, and, and I'm speaking to dads right now because it's really important because mums are pretty good at this, but dads are pretty, pretty hopeless at this, right? But I, I can remember once, Madison, I don't know, she's probably seven or eight, and she won, I might be wrong, she won an award at school, and uh, she brought it home, the certificate, and Trinity had spent the whole afternoon telling her how amazing she was, how brilliant it was. You're so, and, and Madison was like, thanks. And no real response, right? And then, and then we get to the dinner, dinner table, and we're sitting around the table, and I'm home from work, and then Ma, Trinity says, Madison, tell Dad. And she goes, oh, Dad, I got a certificate today. Oh, did you? And she shows it to me and said, awesome. That's about all I said. And this big smile comes on her face and her chest puffed in. It's like, my dad said I'm awesome. And Trinity's looking at me like, all afternoon, I have been telling her how fantastic she is. And then you just go, awesome. And she's like, And here's the reason why, because dads, kids get their identity from you. Their identity about who they are, I'm sorry, mums, but it comes from the dads. That's why we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father in the Godhead is where your identity, your security, and your provision comes from. Jesus is where your siblings and friends elevation comes from. And the Holy Spirit is like a mum who nurtures and guides and loves and supports and teaches and so, dads, you have to be someone. Oh, it's not, not my makeup. Too bad. It's your responsibility as a father to speak identity into your children. Your words matter. There's something about life-giving words that bring healing to the soul. You know, um, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a a big fan of tattoos, right? It's just me personally. Um, I, if I can just put a, a precursor in there, don't, don't think that I'm saying that tattoos are, are evil or anything, because if you think that they are, um, because you've read the Old Testament, I just have one question. When Jesus comes back, the Bible says it's written on his thighs as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, so I'm pretty sure. Anyway, let's move on. Um, but my biggest issue about tattoos is when people get dumb ones, you know? And I think to myself, when you're 70 and at the beach, people are going to point at you and go, ha, ha, ha. So that's my big issue, right? So it's like when Madison said to me, I want to get some tattoos, don't get a dumb one. And she's got a couple that represent what God means to her and stuff. But I noticed one day that she had a third one, and it was a little, a little crown on her, on her wrist just here. And I'm like, that's so dumb. Why did you get a dumb one? And I'm like, why would you get that? Why would you get that dumb tattoo? Like, 
Like, I get the other ones that represents you and God and, and stuff, but why that? Oh, because, Dad, every night when you come in to kiss me goodnight, you always call me my princess. And so I got a crown tattooed on my wrist to remind me that I'm a princess. Oh, oh that's, a, that's a great, yeah. You don't realize the power that your words have in somebody's life to help them identify with who they are. And dads, we've got a job to do, right? There's something about life-giving words. Trinity's great at it. She's always sending me life-giving texts, and, and sometimes they're kind of romantic texts. And, uh, and I can remember one week, um, she was away, and I was preaching here, and so she managed to, to watch online. I think she was not well or something, rather, and I was feeling a bit flat about the service and about my message. You, you don't realize I, I beat myself up just about every afternoon about how I preach and stuff. But anyway, um, and she sends me this text uh, after I've finished preaching, and she goes, it says this, it says, good preaching, sexy. And I don't know why, but good preaching and sexy from my wife makes me feel closer to God, and it makes me feel closer to her. It's life-giving, right? So let's, let's, last week we did a thought audit Today, we're going to do a word audit. Oh, now it's gone quiet. We're going to do a word audit towards others. So put it up on the screen. Life-taking words to others or life-giving words to others. And then we're going to do a a word audit on life-taking words from yourself and life-giving words to yourself. And I want you to be honest. You don't have to put your hand up and we're not going to, there's not going to be a test at the end of this. This is just you personally internalizing, but let's, let's start with people that you know, the people that are close to you, the people that you know, right? You know, um, what kind of words are we using? You didn't do a good job. Why is your room always a mess? I can't, because they're a teenager. Um, I can't stand that. You always leave the toilet lit up. You're pathetic. You drive me crazy. You drive me nuts. You know, I, I wished I'd, it had never. I wish I had never happened. I wish you had never happened. Whatever it is, just be honest with yourself for a moment and go on a scale of one to ten of life taking to life giving words to others. Where would I? Where would I rate myself? Where would I rate myself? On the other hand, you might be more life giving in your words towards others. You know, I'm proud of you. You're the best husband. I thank God for you, man. That was an incredible meal. I've been getting that all week because Trinity was at a course and I've been cooking every night. I get told every night how good, how amazing the meal has been. It makes you feel good, right? I think it's just a secret thing by her to try and convince me to cook every night. And I'm on to her. You're an incredible employee. I'm so glad you, I hired you. I, I just want you to take a moment and be really honest and think, where on you on a scale of 10 one to ten, where, where would you put yourself in regards to your words to others? And then I want you to think about life-taking and life-giving words that you say to yourself. Because we are our own worst enemies at times, yes? Think about your inner talk, the conversation that you have in your mind. Do you say more life taking words like, man, you just constantly stuff up all the time. You're no good. 
Your life is always going to be bad. This is going to be a tough day. Things never work out for me. I never get the breaks. Is that kind of language you use internally, or do you say things like, you know what? God is with me. God promises that he's going to bless me. I'm so thankful for this day. I know that with God I can nail this. It's going to be great. God is with me. I've got this. How many of you speak more life-giving words to others than you speak to yourself? If we're really honest with ourselves, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you talk to yourself? Life-giving or life-taking? There's power in our words, and if you want to change your life, you have to change the words you speak. You can make some small changes in the words that you speak that will make a big difference in the life that you have. Let me give you two two rules, powerful rules, this morning uh, about life-giving words. Are you ready? I can't hear you. Some life-giving words would be nice. Yes. Okay, first thing, if you're going to make this change in your life in regards to more life-giving words than life-taking words, the first thing is if you say something helpful, if you can't say something helpful, skip it. Or, you know, like my mum used to say all the time, if you can't think of any ni- anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Shut your gob. When our, when our kids were littler and they would listen to us or to Trinity, now that they're a bit older, it's a bit more difficult. Um, but if they said something mean to each other, Trinity would make them stop right there and you have to say three nice things now about your brother or your sister. And they had to be proper nice things, not like, I like the color of your shoes, because that's dumb, right? Um, Your hair looks nice. No, proper, encouraging, life-giving words, three for every one life-taking word. And uh, and the kids used to do it, not so much now. But if you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is helpful for building others up. Not what pulls others down, but what builds others up. I don't know about you, but if that doesn't convict you, then you're not paying attention. Don't let any, any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that is helpful for building others up. Or does that mean that we just pretend that stuff isn't going on? We just put our head in the sand and not be realistic about what's happening? No, no, no. There is a way that you can correct people that encourages them and doesn't pull them down. Yeah? You can do this. I'm going to give you a li- Some of you probably heard this. I'll give you a little secret. And, um, and, and now you're going to know if I ever have to tell you off about something, what's coming. Um, I always sandwich criticisms with compliments. You're amazing. You're fantastic. I really appreciate everything that you're doing. Rima, you're doing such a great job in the office. I really appreciate it. You know, this, this, this one thing I, I just think you've got to work on, and that's when you, when you burst into song in the middle of the office and you kind of make up your own words. And I just, I just think if you just, you know, if you just stuck actually to the words of the song instead of trying to create it yourself. I just think that things would go better for you and it would go better in the office for all of us and, 
And, and I think people would just love to hear you worshiping in the office rather than you trying to make, you know, like, I'm not saying that he does that. I'm just using an example. And so we, we sandwich the criticism with a compliment. Remember this, that, that correction always builds you to your future. Condemnation always ties you to your past. And so we want to be people that, that we can speak life-giving words that propels people into their futures, doesn't tie them to the mistakes of their past. Are you with me? If we just applied this one verse to our lives, to your marriage, to your parenting, to your working relationship, to your friendships, then the whole time at church was incredibly worthwhile for you today. Because just that one change of if it's not nice, I'm just going to shut my gob will make a big difference. The King James Version puts it this way. If you can't say something helpful, shut thy mouth. I'm just joking, it doesn't really say that in the King James. And here's the thing, don't elbow your spouse, because if you're elbowing them, you need to elbow yourself. If you can't say something helpful, skip it, zip it, bite it, bite your tongue. The Bible says this, it's the glory of a, of a man or a person to overlook a matter. You don't have to address everything. Are you with me? Second thing is, First thing is, if you can't think of something good to say, just skip it. Second thing is, if you think something good to say, then say it. Say it right there and then. The saddest thing in our culture is we wait to say nice things about people once they've died. It's called a eulogy. Let's say it to people while they're alive. Yeah? Proverbs 16.24 says this. Listen to this. Gracious words are a honeycomb sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Notice it doesn't say gracious thoughts are like honeycomb. It's gracious words that are like honeycomb. You see, I can have a good thought about you, but that thought does nothing for you. Are you hearing me? Thinking about you doesn't mean anything. But if I set that thought free by giving words to it, then I have the power to give life and the power to bless you. I can just think a good thought towards you, but that doesn't help you unless I set that thought free by turning it into words that speak into your life, that bring a blessing in life. Anytime you think something good, say it. Say it. Say it. Anytime. You know, we can be, we can be sitting on the couch watching a movie or whatever, and, and often I just turn to Trina and go, I love you. You're beautiful. And she's like, what? You know, because that's what wives do, right? They roll their eyes and like, I'm beautiful. I'm in, I'm in track pants and a T-shirt. Like, that's, yeah, you're beautiful. You're amazing. I love you. Thank you for that. That was incredible. Just constant, always speaking, life-giving words. Sometimes that's a little bit harder with teenagers, right? Speak life-giving words when they're being little punks. Oh, your kids are good. Okay. It's just my kids then. Okay. That's all right. No, cool. I'll get some, I'll get some, uh, get you to help me later because obviously, obviously your children are amazing and mine not so much. Actually, mine are amazing. 
Sorry. Life gives me words. Whoop, take that one back. But you, but you know what I mean? Just if you think of something, say it. Why wait? Why wait? Say it right there and then. You want to change your relationship? Every time you think something good, say it to them. Make it a rule. Here's the thing. You don't have the right to hold a blessing back. We're blessed to be a blessing. Why would you rob anybody else from a blessing through the words that you can speak over them? Why would you rob them of that? Why would you take that away from them? You wouldn't like it if somebody did that to you. So let's always be people that if we think something good, we're going to say it. We're not going to wait. We're going to say it right there and then. Oh, what if they get a big head? That's their problem, not your problem. You see, my job is to give the gift of life-giving words. It's not my job to how will you process that. We've got to speak life. Every time you think it, say it. And not just to other people, but to yourself. Some of you need to give yourself an uppercut and have a look at the way that you speak about yourselves. Because if you look at your word audit, I would suggest to you that many of you probably say negative things about yourself on a regular basis. And you're speaking life taking words about yourself. And, and I don't mean to be harsh when I say this, but why would you be so stupid but to pull yourself down continuously? Why would you speak life-taking words away from yourself? You see, there was a time, King David, a man after God's own heart, there was a time where he was at real risk of, of being stoned to death by the men that he had rescued, you know, the, the, the outcasts of society which he had turned into a mighty army it was at Ziglag, and, the, and, and it was about, and they were talking about stoning him. And, and 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, But David, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. But David, all the, all the others are, are life taking words. Why have you done this to us, David? We're going to stone you. What did David do? David spoke to himself life giving words. David encouraged himself. And the Lord his God, he spoke life-giving words to himself. He encouraged himself. And every now and then, friend, you have to preach to yourself. We're so good at preaching to everybody else, but we need to learn to start to preach to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. You know, um, I, it, it built up on Friday was the second anniversary of my dad's passing. And, and, and as I built up during the week, I, I was fine. Like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was absolutely fine. But it kind of took me by surprise on Friday morning when I got up. And as the day began, I just, I just felt sad. I just felt flat. I just felt down. I just... You know, it's like I didn't expect to feel that way because I didn't last year. Last year I felt privileged that I had the dad that I had and I felt like I could celebrate him after 12 months. But, but it just, I just felt, and I, I had to pull myself aside. And I had to preach to myself. I had to encourage myself in the Lord. Now, did I go from being a bit flattened down to, woohoo, yeah, no. But it went from this kind of heaviness to just contemplation about my dad instead of it being heavy and downloading. You know what? The funny thing is I woke up Saturday morning completely fine. And, and you have to understand that sometimes when you go through life, you just have days where stuff comes on you and you've got to encourage yourself. You've got to speak some life-giving words into yourself. I don't know about you, but I need to tell myself regularly, God, 
has given me the faith for this. God, I believe that your hand is upon me. God, I believe that you're working in all things to bring about good because you love me and I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. You just got to start preaching to yourself. I am the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. It'll be formed, but it won't prosper. God is always with me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And he prepares a table before me in front of my enemies. And when I look behind me, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. You just got to start to preach to yourself. Even though I fall to the fall, to the lowest of lows, the scripture teaches us that his hand is always beneath me. I can never fall so far that he can't catch me. He's always there. And you've got to preach to yourself and you've got to encourage yourself and speak life-giving words. And every now and then you just have to speak to yourself, encourage yourself with words of life and affirmation and encouraging yourself. Maddie, can you come and jump on the, on the keys? And I want to encourage you. You don't encourage yourself that I can do it. No, no, no. I can do it through Christ. I can do it because Christ is with me. I can do it because the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and abides within me. I can do it because in my weaknesses, he is strong. I can do it because it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I can do it because he's with me. He works through me. God can do it through you. You've got to encourage yourself in the things of the Lord. Here's something I want you to to hear today as as we we start to wind this up. I, I want you to hear this. If you want to see it, you have to say it. If you want to see it, You have to say it. You have to say what you want to see. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not not saying I want a Mercedes in my garage in Jesus' name. This is not a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, confess it and possess it. God is not the fairy godmother. That's, That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Scripture is talking about here. What I'm talking about is that we need to say consistently what God's truth is. What God's truth is. If we want to see it, we've got to say it. I thank you, God, that that you said that you and your whole household shall be saved. And some of my kids aren't following Jesus right now, but they're going to find you. They're going to give their lives to Christ. They're going to return to following you. If you want to see it, You've got to say it, and because you're saying that, and it lines up with his word, that that his wish is that none would perish, but that all would come to eternal life. If you raise a child in the, in the way of the Lord, then they won't depart in their old age. They might depart at times, but they'll come back, because that's the promise. And so we've got to say it if we want to see it. Are you hearing me today? So you're going to say things like, God, I believe you want to bless my marriage. Say what you want to see. Jesus said, if you speak to this mountain, he didn't say if you talk about the mountain, he said if you speak to the mountain and you have faith to see it removed, then it will be removed. Or in Ezekiel, 
God says to him, hey, hey, prophesy to the dead bones. Prophesy to the dry bones. He didn't say talk about them. He said prophesy to them. Speak to them. If you want to see it, you've got to say it. You've got to say what you want. I, I quite often say this to, to couples when they're getting married. Speak speak to the man that you, the husband that you want to see or speak to the wife that you want to see. Don't, don't talk about all their faults and their failings so much now, but, but prophesy into them. I thank you that you're an amazing husband, that you're always caring, that you're always thinking about me. Speak that, prophesy it, because we'll see what you say. The power of life and death that in the tongue. And so you start to say things like, God, I know that you're working. I believe that you're going to work in my life by faith. I believe that you're going to heal the person that I'm praying for. God, by faith, I believe that you're going to help us get out of debt. If you want to see it, you've got to say it. I want to give you one, as we finish, I want to give you one small statement or one small phrase that if you apply this to everything that you say, I promise you that it will change the way that you talk. And in the process of changing the way of talking, it'll make a big difference in your life. Why? Because if you want to change your word, world, you've got to change your words. And if you want to make a big difference in the way that you live, you've got to make a small change in the words that you speak because there's power in your words. And every time you speak, make sure whatever you say, I'll just give you one little phrase. Every time you say something, just add these words onto the end. Add this onto the end of everything you say. And that's the way I want it. Everything that you say, say, and that's the way I want it. Add that on, and that's the way that I want it. Every time you speak, make sure you say, and that's the way I want it. For example, if you're talking about your marriage, guess what you don't say? You don't say, I'm so sick and tired of my marriage, it's probably going to end in divorce, and that's the way I want it. It doesn't work, does it? Come on. You get on my nerves so much, I wish I never married you, and that's the way I want it. It does not work that way. I'm pathetic. I never made it. I can never make a difference. I never get the breaks. My life is always going to suck, and that's the way that I want it. And you start hearing yourself saying that it doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work that way. But if you flip it around, and instead you say things like, my marriage isn't going well right now, but I'm going to surrender my heart to the Lord and I'm going to love her as Christ loved the church. And I believe that God is going to bring healing to my marriage because that's the way I want it. All of a sudden there's power in what you're saying. I know we're in debt right now, but we're never going to live, but we're going to learn to live beneath our means. And with God's help, we're going to climb out of debt and we're going to move from not being tithers to tithers and we're going to be massively generous because that's the way I want it. I want to encourage you if you just add that on the end of every statement that you make in your life or turn around and if you can add that phrase to everything you say to your, your words will change your world because that's the way I want it. My, my kids are away from God right now but I thank you God that you can save them and you can deliver them because that's the way I want it. Come on friend, we can change our lives by changing our words. Why? Because our thoughts matter. Because our thoughts become words. Our words become an action. Our action become our habits. And our habits become our life. You can change your words. You can make small changes to the words you speak. And you can make a big difference in the life you make just 
by physically fit. And that one statement is going to change the way that I eat. It's going to change the way that I focus about my physical health. All that sort of thing. I guarantee you that that one statement is going to change a whole lot of things about my life because I'm probably going to face temptations this year.